it's pretty, pretty powerful right now um, and a great time for indie artists. And we've been hearing that over and over and over again. Like we're in the era of indie artists, I think, right now because of being able to tour yourself and um, put out music yourself and being on all the platforms that every other artist can be on. It's really, really cool um, to be a part of that right now, I think. Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio, and Drew Brown, Juno-nominated singer-songwriter and worship leader. Both hope to share insights into Christian music, exploring ministry, message, and everything in between. You can connect with the show at faithstrongtoday.com slash between the grooves or via Twitter at Between Grooves. Now, here's James and Drew. Hey, Drew. Hey, man. How you doing? Doing good. Yeah? Yeah. You sound like blah, like a Monday blah. You know, that's how I feel. That's yeah? how I feel. Sort of like, now, you know, I'm happy to be alive and I'm ready for the, you know, to get things going. The coffee is percolating, you know, and all that stuff inside. Literally. But yeah. But yeah. but also. It's Monday. It's Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, every time Monday hits, it's like, oh, I can't wait till the weekend. Already. <laughs> Exactly. That's right. That's right. Welcome to Between the Grooves. It's your weekly look at music, ministry, and everything in between with today's top Christian artists. And you're hanging with Drew Brown and James Curtis. Yeah, that's us. Yeah. This week's episode featuring a great conversation with husband and wife duo Seth and Jenna from Him and Her Worship. We're going to be talking about ministry, especially in this COVID season that we're in, adapting to change and a whole bunch of other great stuff. So uh, keep uh, your ears tuned for that. That is coming up in just a bit. But before we get to that, I wanted to chat. Uh, Actually, I didn't want to chat. You wanted to chat. Yes, you did. You wanted to chat about your buddy. Well, your buddy's not mine. Okay, fair enough. Kanye West. So okay, so Kanye was in the news because of Billboard Music Awards. Blah 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 blah. He blah. won. He won. He picked up. He Three, walked away with right? four, four I'm sorry. awards. Okay. And Anita Wingley chatted a bit about this last week on her weekly news roundup at faithstrongtoday.com. And uh, and when you saw that, you sent me a note. That's right. <laughs> sent me a text saying, "Hey, we got to chat about this. This is, this could be a full episode." I'm thinking, really? Well, really? I, I didn't okay. say full episode. <laughs> You think it's going to be a full episode? Go for I it, buddy. I say full episode. The floor is yours. Go but, for it. But Do for it. me. I'm going to grab a coffee and I'll be back in a bit. Actually, that'd be amazing. <laughs> Bye. No, no, just for me. <laughs> but like, not for full episode, but I think for me, it's, there is something to be said about like, this is like, he is continuing to sort of do some good things on really what was kind of like a gospel record. Not really. Because- it really wasn't. But there was a lot of Christian overtones. And I find it fascinating. There's a whole lot of, especially in this day and age, there are tons of non-CCM artists who are doing hip-hop, who are hip-hop artists, who are doing faith-filled music. Yeah. And doing well. Yeah. And it's not, I'm not talking about the... the, the, the he was already a name brand, though, in fairness. So, that, so if true. he decided to do a country album, you know, he p- could probably win an award doing that. And that's true. But the idea is, like, he went from, like, 
what he was doing like the first few records yeah. <laughs> to doing this. And it's a total different, even um, the choir that he worked with, the uh, Sunday Service Choir, yeah. that album, which should be nominated for a bunch of awards if it's not, is a brilliant record in its own right. Yeah. He's not on it, but it's a great record. Yeah. Um, and so I'm like, this is pretty interesting. We're seeing a lot more people who I guess have a faith of their own, but who are actually um, talking about their faith more in hip hop than I've really seen since the 90s. Like in the 90s, it was like Arrested Development. There was early Fuji stuff. There was a, things happening spiritually. And then 2000s kicked around. It was not there. Yeah. And now I'm seeing, so I'm seeing like, and I don't mean like the Lecrae's or the NF's because they're CCM artists who now are crossing over. Right. I'm being specific with like people who are in the mainstream hip hop genre who are like Chance the Rapper. Yeah. You know, the guy, he's a mainstream guy. But you listen to his music. There's like sermons waiting to be, yeah. you know, brought up. So you're talking more about uh, mainstream artists who aren't necessarily in the CCM right. club, yes. if I can use that word. Yeah. So he walks away with top gospel artist, top gospel album, top Christian album, and top gospel song. And the only other two awards at the billboards, uh, Christian related, yeah. were top Christian artist going to Lauren Daigle of course. and top Christian song going to For King and Country for God Only Knows. Which makes sense to me. Sure. So uh, the interesting thing about the billboards is that- There it is. Yes. They they are based on numbers. It's all numbers. It's right? all spins and sales. That's since, it. Since the beginning of time, yeah. billboard, I mean, I remember when the billboard magazine was out. That's what you, you know, you, you waited every week or every month or whatever yep. for this for this magazine to come out. And it was this glossy, multicolored, colored, oversized magazine, right, basically. Right, right. And, and you'd flip through that to see how artists were doing or artists themselves would flip to see how they were doing. But this is based on album and digital song sales. It's based on streaming, uh, radio airplay, touring, and social engagement. It's a bunch of stuff that's put together. It's all math. And the interesting thing I, I have to say about this, not and you know I'm not a big you know Kanye fan. but You love him. But can I say... If it's all based on numbers, then you should be able to predict the results. Very easily. Very easily. Like, why even have an award show at all? Yeah, because it's all <laughs> based on math. Yeah. It's all based on math anyways. Yeah. And if yeah. you're following it and you're That's tracking right. it and you're looking at it and putting all the numbers together yourself, I mean, I don't know what algorithm they're using for it, but it should be fairly... It's not like you have a bunch of judges with like you have at other uh, award shows and awards that are given out where you have a panel of judges and they're voting based on what they see. And it's, right, and it's right. kind of a peer uh, voting type thing. Uh, and it could be other musicians, it could be other artists, it could be you know people in radio, it could be people in marketing or whatever else, but they're in the industry and they would vote for you know their favorite. This is all based on numbers. It's all just spins and sales and that's it. And it's funny because really the record they put out isn't, I wouldn't even consider a gospel record. There's a lot of gospel influences, for sure. Right. But I mean, it's not like, like uh, when I think about a gospel hip hop record, a mainstream one, I would even consider like Kendrick Lamar's last two or three albums to be more of a gospel centric record. He's dropping verses and he's actually preached. There, there are pastors, I mean, I've done it before, there are pastors who actually take one of his songs and break it down in terms of why it applies to us as Christians. And I don't mean like, Skipping verses. I mean, like word for word. Right. This is what's important. This is how we can take away from this as a Christ, as a believer in Christ. Really, with that Kanye record, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, it's inter- it's interesting. He sampled a gospel choir. Yeah, and, and and then wrote songs on top of it. So it's interesting because uh, going back again to other award shows, right. a lot of times those award shows, you as an artist, you submit your music right for consideration in a particular category. They wouldn't do that, and I and I don't know how that can be done with Billboard if you're tracking it and and all the numbers. It's based on all numbers all and numbers. facts That's and right. and whatever else. So I don't know that any of that could actually happen. So you could win in any category if it's starting to get played in that category. And you know? I, I think that's what happened. Because I yeah. know there's a lot of Christian radio stations who actually played Kanye. Right. A lot, surprisingly. Yeah. I mean, I like Especially in the U.S. Especially in the U.S. Yeah. So for me, like, yeah, I would not do a whole show on this. But I think the numbers game... Okay, well, time's and, up then. Oh, no, no, but the, the numbers game is one thing. But even for me, faith in the mainstream, for me, is that's a topic that I would love to dive into. Because I think, yeah, going back into... Um, you know, Chance and Kendrick and and uh, and what these guys have been doing, along with Kanye, I think that's a conversation that I would love to sort of tap into because that is something that really you mostly only see in country music, where like faith and mainstream marketplace is so intertwined so well. Yeah, in country music, it happens all the time. Yeah, it's about like beer and, and women, and then the next time it's a prayer and a hymn. You know what I mean? It's yeah. that, and there's a lot of crossover there. Tons of crossover yeah. happens all the time for years and years. But in hip hop, that's pretty rare. So maybe one day, maybe one day, that would be a cool topic. Well, in your original text message to me when you suggested that this could be something we talk about specifically about Kanye West, my message back to you, if you recall, Drew yeah. was was you know if you can get him on the show, we'll talk about it. <laughs> I'll, so, I'll work on it. So I'll the onus on is it. on you right now. There we go. I'm going to let you work on that, <laughs> see what happens. Interestingly enough, uh, I was watching the news story on Faith Strong Today's YouTube channel, and this comment from Luann Kaner popped out at me. She wrote, Kanye West has inspired me uh, this past year like no other Christian artist has. <laughs> Thank you, Kanye. One point for Kanye. Can I tell you, if that's all it achieves, you know, uh, she go. goes on to say you're winning souls and... Uh, um, you know, uh, reaping eternal treasure, not just your rewards on earth, but kingdom treasure for all eternity in, in Jesus, our King. So, uh, wow. there's a reference of course, to, um, to his music as there well, we go, yeah. but, uh, it's interesting because people are commenting and, and, uh, you know, siding with him, I suppose, in a sense, yeah. it'll be interesting because in another week and a half or so, it's going to be the Dove Awards. Yes. Right. Yes. And uh, he's up for, I believe it's three, three, I think three yeah. nominations. This one's three. He's That's right. up for, uh, uh, rap, hip hop, recording song of the year, rap, hip hop, album of the year and traditional gospel album of the year. Now understanding in the CCM world, there's a ton of different categories. And it's all Christian yeah, that's music. That's right. That's right. So he's up for three, uh, but of course this works a little different. This isn't based on numbers. This is based on popularity and that's right. and and that sort of thing. So we'll see what happens uh, at the Dove Awards. Now, question for you for the Dove Awards for the traditional gospel record is that the choir one? Yes. Oh, thank yes. God. Yeah. It is, ladies and gentlemen. If you're looking for a well, really it makes great... sense that would be the well, I know <laughs> the I, one, right? I, I, we never know. But, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, honestly, if you're looking for a great gospel record that, and you're not really used to gospel, that is a great place to start. It's my kids play it every Sunday morning, and they sing. It's amazing stuff, and they don't like gospel music for the right. most part. But it's they a great love way, that record. It's a great one to crank. It really is. Like, it's just beautiful. turn it up loud. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. So, so good. Okay. Well, that was only a few minutes that we uh, ended we up talking no about longer, Kanye. But no, no. I, I can see you kind of like stressing out like, Kanye! No, no. We've got to move on. Kanye! We've got to move on. We've got a great conversation. 
lined up, as I said, with Seth and Jenna from Him and Her Worship. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, everything you know to do with ministry and and how they've adapted in yeah. these this time with you know the COVID nineteen pandemic and uh, talking about hope and light in the darkness and all that sort of great juicy stuff. Mm-hmm. This is a conversation you do not want to miss. We are going between the grooves with Him and Her Worship. Yeah, you know, these things happen. Technology, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not as yeah, and the buttons on the phone system are not labeled. Um, so it's like I'm trying to decipher what these things mean. <laughs> and and as it turns out, those are not the buttons I need anyway. So yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that's amazing. So you got uh, James and Drew here and we've got Seth and Jenna there. And you said you're in where where what city are you in right now? We're in Zambroda, which is, um, it's a very, very, very small town. It's in like the west, or I'm sorry, eastern part of Minnesota, kind of like on the, closer to the Wisconsin border. Yeah. Okay. I'm and you l- guys are in Toronto, correct? We are in Toronto. That is correct. Mm-hmm. Oh, sweet. Oh, man. We that love. Has been there. Yeah. That's love. Yeah. <laughs> Before we started this, I worked in aviation, so I would make some trips up there to meet some of our vendors, uh, Especially like Mississauga, yeah, yep. but um, yeah, just a really beautiful area and town, and really cool. So I've got a friend of mine who works in aviation, and he he's like the head mechanic of some private company so they've got a private jet or private jets plural and uh and the rule of thumb and i'm not sure if this is standard in the industry but the rule of thumb is whenever the president travels he travels as well so so this this friend of mine travels all around the world as as the head you know guy i don't know if mechanic is the right term for him mm. because he's kind of overseeing a team of, of guys that look after the plane okay. but he travels all over the place so he'll be uh you know his wife will say in the morning you know sunday or sunday night where are you where are you headed out tomorrow and he's oh i'm going to argentina or something oh like that oh, wow. so cool. yeah so <laughs> he goes all over the place really and cool. what do you do like when you land there obviously the president's got some meetings and stuff what do you do you're just gonna i guess sightsee or yeah what are you gonna look yeah, after the plane yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> babysit the plane probably ping pong <laughs> Ping pong in an airplane. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And, right. and the other thing, too, is these planes, I mean, because it's a private jet, it's really nice on the inside. Right. So he's he's not mm-hmm. it's, he's not traveling, you know, regular airline, you know, all cooped up in a little chair, no leg room. Like, he's got comfort. <laughs> that is awesome. So I take it, that Seth, that was not your experience. No, no. <laughs> that was not what I was doing. Not at all. Oh, no. Okay. So. Sorry to hear that. Although, Seth, did have a very posh experience in Toronto. Like the yeah, company they treated took us them all out, well. right? Yeah, they took us to some amazing restaurants. I had my first bite of beef out there. Oh, Man, it was it was awesome. Nice. So, but I was not. I was not the lead mechanic on the president's plane. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, too bad. And that's why, and that's why you got into what you're doing now, I guess. That is right. <laughs> yeah. One step closer. One step closer to get that private jet. There it yes. is. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. But right now you travel in a in a bus, I guess. Uh, not even. Have... It's a travel trailer. Okay. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah it's um. It's name is Scampy, and it's 13 feet long, and we just pull it. Um, pull it by our van and it's 
really small. And, <laughs> so and it's not a bus. <laughs> does does your van have a name too? I mean, Vincent. Yeah. Vincent and Scampi. Yeah. We call it Vinny. Vinny and Scampi. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's so good. <laughs> On my very first uh, cross Canada tour, I had uh, a bus that was given to me, and I was like, <gasps> a bus, and it was. It, I was so happy. I was like, oh, this is gonna be great. Yeah, it was a school bus. I was gonna say. Oh, I was gonna no. say you didn't know you didn't know about the what it looked like before you got it. I had no idea. We're giving you a bus, and it was a school bus. That's right. And so, um, oh my god, I was uh, with a like with an independent label at the time, and so they're like, don't like they're like, oh, this bus is gonna be so great. We're gonna put a couches in there and make it all cool. I'm like, wait, wait, wait a minute. What, what kind of bus is this? <laughs> yeah, and so it was. So oh, imagine yeah. going up, you know, like traveling like thousands and thousands of miles in a bus, going up mountains in this thing with gear, with a trailer with gear. It yep. was a nightmare. And it's wintertime, too. Did you sleep in it? Yeah, yeah. We, oh, yeah. We had like, I think, four blankets per person just to make sure oh, we wow. can, you know, not freeze our butts off. Was there, was there oh. other vehicles that were traveling as well on this tour? Nope. Oh, it was just you just oh. bus. us in this bus. And what was it like pulling up to venues in this bus? Well, you can imagine, you know, wherever it's a venue owner or a pastor, just look at you and be like, you got to be freaking kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> We're on a budget. We're on a budget. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, what is this? So it's fun. it's the cool bus. We scratched out the, the S and the H, so it's the cool bus. <laughs> Desperate. Oh man, that is amazing! <laughs> desperate times call for desperate measures. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, the, the rock star life, y'all. That's right. That's oh, right. My God. I feel like our constant problem is like people thinking that what we do is really cool, and what we do is really cool. But it's like that. That story is exactly our life too, where it's like, oh my, like we're musicians, but. We're also homeless, kind of, you know. Like, That's right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you guys, you guys travel, you guys travel all the time. Are you literally homeless? Like that, you're living out of your vehicle. Yeah, um, out of our camper. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's smart. But, I mean, yeah. you know, it really is. No rent or mortgage to focus on. Just, well, and, yeah. and and the fact that you would have this stuff waiting for you when you get back. So it's like you got all these bills that are piled yeah, up exactly. and being on the road for six right. weeks or something. That's right. Know? Yeah, it's yeah. a pain. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it made sense yeah. right now. So. Totally. But what's it been yeah, like over the last few months, though, with with uh, the you know isolation and yeah. no no concerts? And uh, I mean, that's probably, you know, impacted you guys greatly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, do you want to go ahead, Jenna? Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so, yeah, basically, um, around March, we were, I don't know, we go south when it's wintertime. I don't blame you. Yeah. yeah, I don't yeah, blame you. I know, you guys, you guys are our neighbors to the north, and we're from Minnesota more recently, so, like, I, you guys get it. That yeah, no, we understand. It, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and so we um, have been snowbirds, and so we are just kind of, like, going from florida to california that was our plan for the winter and we were in like new mexico and like northern arizona when we started realizing that things were kind of falling through and uh basically we ended up parking in a church parking lot for like three months um it was this really amazing pastor and his family and we like produced we kind of like pivoted so that we weren't like just playing music in churches anymore obviously we couldn't so we pivoted and we like started producing church videos like we became masters of adobe premiere pro Mm -hmm. and we were recording 
like we were recording songs and, and the pastors were recording videos for us. And then we were like pass, packaging it all together into like this hour long service video and then delivering it to them. And like, but we were like stuck in this parking lot for three months. So it was like super weird for us, oh, for sure. Man. You know, every season it seems like, um, whether it's just the Christian community or the world as a whole, uh, there are cliches. And can I tell you, one of the cliches, or it seems anyways, of this time is the word pivot, right? Because And, and it, it's exactly what it, you know, it, it's describing exactly what's happened where, you know, you have a profession, uh, something that you do for a living, and you've had to literally turn around and do something com- completely different related to a certain extent sure. but completely different yeah. and i've yeah. seen other artists do that whether it be the online concerts uh and and just do something different because they still need to you know generate some income to to you know provide for their families or whatever yeah. you know yeah. pay their bills you know uh, you've had to do that drew yeah, yeah. It, we, I've had to pivot a few times, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and it's oh, yeah. it's nice. Like, actually, I had my first like real like gig on the weekend with like lo- like lots of people. Um, I mean, everybody was doing the social. It was safe. It was wonderful. It was great. Open air. It was you know, but it was the first like full lights, full sound, lots of people. Um, mm-hmm. And it was I had two gigs in one day, and it made me feel. Like I, I didn't know how, what, how to do the concert thing anymore. Right. Yeah. It was totally foreign to me. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, because I'm now I'm pivoting back to what you know what I was doing, yeah. you know, pre-COVID. Yeah. And I'm like, how how does this work? What do I say? How it's, do it's I? It's got to be foreign for the yeah. for the for the audience too. Well, there's so, yeah. they're, they're so hungry oh, yeah. for it. They're well, they're, they're, like, they're, sure, they're, they're freaking out, man. Yeah, but they're, they're hungry <laughs> for it. Show. Right. But what I'm saying is, it's different <laughs> because they're all spread out. Yeah. Like It's not yeah. like this huge crowd together, you know, right. cheering you on. It's it's they're all spread out and stuff, and that's yeah. different too. Like that's gonna be right. freaking them out a bit. Oh you yeah, know? And, I, know, yeah. I know it certainly looks that way because I have not physically stepped into my church for six months. Right, but oh, I'm watching yeah. I'm watching videos online and they they pan the shots of various churches and I'm and I'm saying it's a you know you're hearing them saying it's a packed house and then you, you pan back <laughs> and you see the people all yeah. spread out and think that's not yeah. packed yeah. but yeah. it is packed but it is packed that's yeah. right yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's yeah. different right yeah oh, oh yeah so, so yeah that word pivot I, yeah it's it's the word of the year for me yeah <laughs> unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. So you guys, so you guys oh became experts, <laughs> yeah. experts in in, an, in another area, which of course you can continue to use in totally. your ministry right. now. Yeah. Um, tell us about, yeah. I guess, what your ministry tip typically is. Yeah, so we write worship music and Christian music, um, basically, and we try and produce records and tour them. And normally, we play probably 150 shows a year. Mm-hmm. Normally. Um, but this year, obviously we've lost, I think 40 to date at this point. Um, but yeah, it's normally traveling the, the country playing worship nights and Sunday mornings for churches and other venues like that. And man, it's been so amazing and beautiful and wonderful. And we've been able to meet thousands of people and it's just been amazing, amazing. But, uh, yeah, it's not that 
totally that way right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> How does it work when you you write music? I mean, you're on the road a lot. Are you writing while you're driving? Uh, you know, is that how <laughs> you're using your time? Or are you, you know, when you stop at a venue, you've, you you know, you get there a day early and you're writing stuff. And then, uh, mm-hmm. then, then the recording element, too. I mean, because obviously you need to, are you recording in your, in your camper or are you, you're going into a studio? Yeah, we... We actually, um, when we play at a church, we're playing at like small to medium sized churches typically, and we've got some larger things, but um, I think because we're, we've only been doing this for about, well, full time for a, a year and a couple months, um, we're, we're playing at these churches that are totally fine with us kind of like camping out in their parking lot for mm-hmm. a couple extra days. So we'll maybe arrive the day before, we'll play a concert, and then we'll maybe stay an extra day or two. Um, and especially now with things being a lot slower, we're playing like maybe one or two things a week, um, like a Sunday at a small church and then a concert at a small church. And so like, we do have a lot of time that we're spending at the churches, um, that we're staying at. And so, um, we typically don't write in the car, but I, I'd say like the, the way we start writing <clears throat> is that like, I'll have an idea I'll write it down or I'll record it. Seth will have an idea. He'll write it down or record it. And then usually in the mornings, like as many times, as many mornings as we can in a week, we'll do a writing session where we'll bring our ideas together. And a lot of the the churches we're playing at have like cool piano. So we're able to just like, without having our gear set up, we just like play a piano together and try to write something or um, get the guitar out. So it's been like, it's been really cool. Cause when I look back at the record, we just dropped on each song, like, Oh, I remember when we wrote that in Georgia or, Oh yeah, we recorded that first part in Florida. Oh man. Do you remember the vocals that we did in Texas? Like, so it's really cool that like every song is like from different parts of the country that we visited. So it's been kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, that would be. That's very, very cool. Yeah. yeah and the other, the other thing too is that what Jenna didn't mention this right away, but um, when we did, when COVID did happen and quarantine happened at the church in Arizona and Gilbert that we were at, that we actually basically finished the, and made the whole record there. It started in a, a cabin in Texas uh, mm-hmm. like a month before, but it was finished there. And yeah, I mean, we basically built, a, we turned uh, one of their, their rooms into a studio and built a vocal booth inside and... <laughs> basically finished the entire record in a church classroom basically so it's kind of been like the theme for us like you know and that's what's really cool about music now is like you can do stuff basically anywhere because computers are so powerful as you guys know Mm -hmm. um and you can work with your producers uh remotely and you can send your stuff off to the engineers or the mixing and mastering engineers of your choice so it's like really cool how music is kind of you're able to do it wherever you have to. Um, and in the same way too, that definitely helps keep, uh, the budget down as well for us. So it's been really cool. So that's good. The technology has really existed for a long time. It's just back in the day, it was bulky, right. To be able to do something (laughs) like that. Yeah. You know, like I, I remember, I remember in my church, I was in charge of the audio and, um, we had wanted to do a multi-track recording and so we had to rent some gear but we didn't have a place to actually do it except in the sanctuary and so i found a you know a a box that basically could convert a a signal you know meant for 
you know, your speakers uh, and and uh, and and pad the DB so that you could plug in headphones and we could record right in the sanct- right in the sanctuary within, you know, church ending people finally leave the sanctuary and five minutes later we're ready to record like it was that quick um so the the technology i mean the fact that you have a church that you record and now you mentioned that it was a classroom but you could i mean technically do it in a sanctuary because you would think that the dynamics acoustically are are okay for recording Mm -hmm. but i understand the fact that you would want to record to record in a booth or a a vocal booth you know so you're not getting the echo and everything else and there's tons of noises in sanctuaries like ac Oh, yeah. or, sure, you know, sure. It's, just, it's, just an, it's a noisy oh, yeah. room, very, yeah. very noisy room. Even, so, yeah. even like where we were recording, so again, like we're really DIY because we have to, like we, yeah. we're indie artists, so we do everything on our own. Yep. And so like we were in this, this nursery in the church and we like, we used some of the, um, it's like our screen stand. So we like have a big screen for our concert that we bring. And we like put all of the blankets from our bed on them and then bought like this moving blanket. And so it's like this really janky vocal booth that we made up. But then like we were five feet away from the outside of the church where there was like a super busy highway and there was an airport, like the next town over. So like totally there's, it's hard to escape like those little noises and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, the but the nurseries are great because you can take a little nap when you're done, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. I just had this um this this house where you know, my family were renting uh, in Mississauga and was on the flight path for, to Mississauga Airport to Toronto Airport. And so um you know, every few minutes, mm, this massive plane yeah, would go yeah. by and, and we're also on a busy street, so we had like tons of traffic. And so like I had oh, my yeah. studio set up, you know, like this kind of broken down vocal booth type thing and so on and one of my albums if you listen very closely to some of like the fading out parts you can hear like mm. <laughs> i'm like well, how do you take that out right in the middle of a track yeah. yeah it's it's i'm super diy too i've done everything on my own like since the beginning and it's 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 fun but it's also sometimes a pain in the butt sometimes you just want to well you you certainly have to be creative yeah, yeah it forces you to be creative oh, which yeah. which i like it forces you to be a macgyver when it comes to music and engineering yeah. and production yeah. which i love that but at the yeah. same time i would love just to go into a real studio and just get it done right but it's not as much fun right? I, I think yeah. there's something really cool and um about being kind of your own macgyver when it comes to music and you see a lot of that yeah. with artists anyways where they'll they'll be on they'll be touring and they've got you know some pretty simple gear with them and yeah. they, and you know perhaps record and they've got other tracks already laid so they're going you know in their hotel room or whatever and just laying down a vocal track or something like that that's right and mm-hmm. you know the tech like you said jenna the technology is there uh, why not? Yeah. Why not use yeah. it? And that's why totally. there's been so many opportunities for you know newer artists that's to right. get their stuff out there because because the technology is there and it's not overly expensive uh, versus mm-hmm. you know hiring a studio to, it, to record something right. Was that Seth? Oh yeah. Seth did that Newsboys record on the bus. So- yeah. Right. Did you hear about that? Seth did. No, uh, Seth uh, recorded the whole entire Newsboys record on a touring bus while they were touring. <laughs> Just a laptop oh and just go. God. I'm like, that's cool. I think that's great. Sorry, uh, yeah. what were you saying? No, it's okay. Um, I think that it's like, like making your own records, as you said, like makes us all better musicians yes. too. Yeah. Because um, the first worship EP that we released last year, 
um, we basically tracked it or someone else tracked it for us. So we would just show up and he'd be like, all right, here's your guitar part. And okay, now do the vocals. And then he like comped it and mixed it and someone else, like we just like tracked it and then it went away and until we heard the mix. And um, I just think that having our hands completely in every single one of these songs has made us better musicians. Like we know like, what's the best way to build this song? And like, I, I don't know, it was just, it was really awesome to take ownership of these songs. Um, and I'm sure that you've seen that as well in your own work, being able to just make it all yourself. Absolutely. Although it would be awesome to just show up in a studio and just have people like take it off their hands. That sounds delightful, but yeah, yeah. that's not where we're at right now. So. <laughs> I'm kind of glad that I'm not an, an artist. So are we. And yeah, I'm sure you are. <laughs> We're all happy about that. But one of the reasons why is is because if I were and if I was paying money for a studio, yeah. um, I would probably be looking at the dollars and the cents while I'm there. Totally. Right? Yes. I would look yes. at how many yeah. people are there and how much time I'm there. And I'm thinking, you know, every time that you're horsing around or grabbing a coffee and just talking about whatever is non-productive time. Yes. And I'm thinking to myself, you mm-hmm. know, the dollar signs are going and, the, and you know, the, the, the clicker is oh, yeah. going as far as, okay, this is another 20 bucks, another 50 bucks, That's another right. hundred bucks just yeah. spent. And, right. we didn't, and we didn't do anything constructive, right? Totally. That would drive oh, yeah. me yeah. nuts. Yeah. Yeah, it, it drove oh me God, nuts. Yeah, I was the in thing a thing that I've. Sorry, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead, Seth. I was just gonna say the thing that I've seen with all of our heroes as of late is either the like themselves or the the producers that are producing their records have really kind of robust home studios. So it it seems like what a lot of them are doing now is they kind of have. Uh, somewhat of a DIY home studio that they go and make the record at. And normally they seem to be somewhat location centric, like out in Washington or um, like I think Vermont or something like that. And so they kind of just like go and show up and do it. And I think those are like really, really, really powerful and um, good ways to like make a record because it's not that way. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like you're, you have a certain amount of time, obviously, because you know, there's normally a, some sort of a schedule or, you know, deadlines, but you're going to an environment that's safe and you're with your producer and it's normally his house and you just have that, that freedom and creativity. And I think it's not as much about the money thing because it's, you know, the producer's in on it and he's also kind of your engineer. So I think a lot of like our, again, our heroes are kind of going that route where they're, they're kind of doing even, even like major huge records and, and uh, big artists are doing it more, DIY is probably not the right word, but not even in studios, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Right. Yeah, totally. You're right. So, yeah. And, yeah, and maybe, right. From, maybe from my perspective, it would be better if I knew that if I was going into, stu- into a studio as an artist and recording a song, if I knew at the front end that this is going to cost me X amount of dollars and that's it, then really I don't care how long it takes. Right. Right. If yeah. if I know it's going to cut, this is the this is the bottom line of what it's going to cost. Then if if it takes three extra days to record the stuff, no skin off my back, right? Because right. because right. I've already right. paid my money for it, yeah. and you want to take longer doing it for whatever reason? <laughs> Great. You know, yeah. I, I don't need oh that stress. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, I'm like the the budgeter in our relationship and our. Yeah, I was gonna mixer. I was gonna ask who does the business side. There's got to be yep. somebody, right? <laughs> Yes, I'm. I mean, we both both have our hands in everything. It's a partnership, obviously. But um, I'm more I'm more the one who's like, 
okay, should we be going to Chipotle for the third time this week? Because, like, <laughs> probably shouldn't. Um, but, like, I remember as we were tracking our album and we were sending our songs off to our engineer um, to mix them, he was just like, hey, I'm kind of seeing that you guys are kind of getting burnt out. How about next time you can just rent a studio pay a bunch of studio musicians to play it kind of live. And then like, if there's any mistakes, you can fix it later. And we're like, that sounds great. How much does that go for? And he's like, well, good studio musicians, probably like $3,000 a day and renting the studios, probably like $5,000 a day. And it's like, do you see where we live? Like we can't afford that. Like, come on, man. It's just like, that sounds great, but no. Exactly. Yeah. It's, a, it's, yeah. a, it's a lot of money that can be spent elsewhere. That's right. Um, yes. Where needed. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's putting food on the table. Right. Right. Yeah. Especially in this totally. musical landscape where you don't really, I mean, COVID aside, like, like it's, we only are really making cash on CD sales at shows these days. Yep. And so it's you know yep. it's 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 a whole different market now, and so we can't invest that kind of crazy money doing the ten thousand twenty thousand dollar album oh, um, yeah. without not knowing that we're gonna make at least that back. Right. I know, <laughs> it right. just doesn't make any sense. So yeah, doing the DIY mm-hmm. thing or or DIY sorry, um, or doing what you said in terms of like that kind of the producer like cottage chalet like where they ha- have the space for you and the gear for you. That is the cheapest and best way to go. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like the best, my favorite stuff is coming out of those environments. Same here, man. Same here. Yeah. 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 I love that. Totally. So, Uh, you know, it's some of the other artists that are out there that I I won't call them fly by night, but maybe one hit wonders are are artists that unfortunately uh, perhaps haven't had a business plan or don't care to. Yeah. Because uh, some of them, like we, we've had one guy I can recall, you know, a couple of years ago was on the podcast and I asked him about the fact, you know, are, are you making any money back on on the cost of recording this song? And his response was, no, this was a labor of love. And that's fine. And that's totally fine. That's totally fine. fine. Yeah. But I don't expect to hear much more out of him because there comes a point where it's just costing so much money to produce uh, song after song that after a while you just you know I I I just you know, I got to use my money elsewhere. Yeah, right. Completely. And, right. And 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 sure enough, that's what happened with this artist. There's nothing wrong with that if that's what they wanted to do. Some people do it just for the love of doing it, and that was a season in their life, and they've moved on. They're doing something else now, right. which is fine. Mm-hmm. But again, if yeah. you are if you don't have a business plan or or a plan to offset the cost of recording something, there it is. Right. And that's why the do it yourself you know method probably makes a lot of sense, especially for smaller artists or unsigned, you know, independent artists. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the thing that's crazy about today too, is like, honestly, before on our, on our journey towards this record, um, we were kind of, you know, working and talking with a lot of different people, kind of trying to figure out how to get this record made. And then around like January of this year or, you know, 2020, we realized that like, I think we're going to have to make this record and we can get some help, but I think we're going to have to be the primary people on it, the primary producers. And in that journey, I basically became obsessed with learning, you know, how to produce music and how to make music and the engineering side. And the thing that like I realized is like YouTube is literally riddled with 
all kinds of like Grammy winning producers and engineers that will literally do like seminars on how to make music or go into their sessions. And this is how I mixed this song that won a Grammy and it's all free. Yeah. And it's like, Oh my goodness. Like literally if you want to learn anything about any of it and how to, how to be an engineer, like you can literally do it online for no money at all. So that's yep. what's so cool too, is there's like this, the community and the entry point is really like, I mean, if you have an internet connection and a computer, literally you can learn from the best engineers in the world. That's right. And they will tell you what they know. Like they don't really hold back. So it's pretty, pretty powerful right now um, for, and a great time for indie artists. And we've been hearing that over and over and over again, that like we're in the era of indie artists, I think right now, yes. because of the, the being able to tour yourself and um, put out music yourself and, being on all the platforms that every other artist can be on, whether, you know, all the streaming stuff, like it's just, it's really, really cool um, to be a part of that right now. I think so. I, I think we're in uh, a totally different era beyond just music, because look at what the whole, you know, shutdown of the economy, lockdown, stay at home, whole thing has created over the last few months where you've got um, employees of companies working from home where in the past, you know, their employers perhaps were looking at it saying, you know, I don't really want employees working from home because I want to keep an eye on things and right. make sure they're doing their thing doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I think what they've found is the employees themselves being forced to work from home, they have to produce because they want to keep their jobs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And 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 the employers now, the bosses are looking at saying, yeah, this has worked. Uh, and it's opened up a whole realm of opportunities. It's funny. I was having a conversation with my wife um, over the weekend and we were talking about what's happened in this phenomenon, really, of people working remotely. And she said, you know, in 15 years from now, for me personally, she was saying, you know, I, I do the morning show. She said, you could do it from anywhere around the world. She said, let's let's move yeah. to Greece. She said this, let's move to Greece and you right. can do the morning show from there. Or let's move to Florida or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like the technology exists for whatever, for more, I, I shouldn't say whatever occupation, for, for many for, occupations. Yeah. Right. Yes. Uh, it's not going to happen for retail. Right. Obviously, <laughs> you know, you're going to walk into a store and there's a computer that, yeah, we're, I'm helping you from Africa or That's something right. like yeah. that. Uh, but yeah. certainly for a lot of industries, a lot of, um, you know, different types of um you know, jobs that people have uh, where they weren't able to do it before, they've been forced to over the last few months to, you know, provide for their family. And so what we're seeing in the music industry, I think, is part of that. I think, in a sense, the music industry has been on the forefront of all of that because that technology has been used by musicians and artists for a few years now. Right. 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 Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I think you you guys are, are and, and I think it's hilarious what you said about, uh, Seth, what you said about YouTube videos and stuff. It's like it's true. The, the training, <laughs> training is free. You yeah. know, you can sign up for a, a, a seminar or for a conference or something like that. But if it's already there, uh, why not take advantage of it? This is it. Yeah, man, I totally agree with all of what you're saying. I think it feels like in a real sense that we, because of, the way that things are going that people are really be getting the like individual, I don't want to use the word power, but maybe autonomy is the right word mm. where it's like mm. people are actually being able to own their life more, I think because of the reality of, of what we're going through. And I think that's really, really powerful for people because now I think people are going to get way more opportunities to not only have flexibility with, 
you know, if I don't necessarily, you know, like my job, I can get a different job, but that doesn't necessarily mean I have to move anymore. Or like, I feel like the world is becoming a lot smaller and the opportunities are growing substantially and a lot more things are feasible to do that weren't maybe even six months ago, which is so, so cool. Um, and I'm really happy for people because I think I really do believe that, you know, again, it's not been an easy time for a lot of people. And, you know, we've met so many people that have lost their jobs and, and it's been tough for us and for everybody. But I also think that the world also seems to be opening up with opportunity like never before. So that's really, really exciting, I think. Yeah, I, I think I think it's the the silver lining because you're right. A lot of people have lost jobs. A lot of people are are struggling uh, still, mm-hmm. uh, and they're and they're looking at opportunities. And you know, going back to that word of pivoting, where they're pivoting in their own life, whether yeah. they whether they like it or not, mm-hmm. you know, they're being forced to. But certainly, uh, it's uh, you know the, the silver lining in that um, it's it's opened up new opportunities and new ways of looking at things where perhaps you know at the beginning of this year people weren't looking at that. Yeah. So yeah, I absolutely. think that like having having un, being uncomfortable is the best way to make a change in your life, and I I think I'm seeing that with a lot of people now too, where it has gotten just really uncomfortable in a lot of different ways, like socially or maybe your job changed for the worse or your life changed for the worse in the last couple of months. And I really think that it's driving people to change their life. Um, like for example, my, my mom has, she works in a hospital and she hasn't, she's just been struggling with her job for years. It's just been like a constant thorn in her side. And until finally, like a couple of months ago, her hospital flooded and she ha- lost her job. And now she's like looking for all the new opportunities. Like, I just, I feel like being uncomfortable causes you to like, it's like, okay, we need to make a change here. And I, I think that I see that in a lot of people right now. And it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And and the flip side to yeah. all of that, I will say, is the loss of uh, in-person connection. Yeah. You know, oh, man. Right. Uh, I, I was emailing back and forth with a friend of mine over the weekend and we were talking about, you know, a, a specific topic. And then at the end of it, uh, his and I'll, I'm going to read this to you. He says, let's try to do the coffee thing soon. Don't want to lose touch. And with the craziness of this world, we need to stay connected and talk more about faith mm-hmm. because we need it and the world needs it. Yeah. And it was like yeah. right on. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's yeah. like I can't remember. the. I mean, him and I have probably got together, you know, five or six months ago for a coffee or something like that. But that needs to happen more. Yes. Yeah. You know, I've, I've worked at the radio station uh, for the last six months. Uh, I was almost, uh, I'll say almost, practically the only person working here at the radio station. Everybody else was working from home. Yeah. And so I didn't see anybody all day. Yeah. You know, I'd yeah, be yeah, doing yeah. my show, coming back into the office, uh, you know, in my office, doing the music thing. And and I'm there, you know, till till lunchtime and, and literally seeing nobody the whole time. And so now it's kind of being a little weird, as, weird. as people are starting to come back in the office. Yeah. And even now at the radio <laughs> station where we've got people with offsetting schedules, they're not coming in full time. They're still working from home and then a couple of days per week, but they're all on alternating days so that we don't have a packed place but it's still strange you know somebody walked by my office saying good morning james it's like oh uh, i haven't seen that guy in six months right right (laughs) and and it's and it's been awkward in the sense um the same guy that sent this email the last time we did get together he said or him and i were talking about the fact that it seems 
different and awkward when you do get together with somebody because yeah. because you don't know yeah. how to interact like you did before yeah yes. you know yeah. so it's a strange Absolutely. strange world but it's forcing a lot of things we just have to make sure we don't lose touch i guess that's all that's, that's all i'm saying thing. yeah that's thing. so so because we like in a lot of ways have played all our churches and have um and medium-sized churches and have connections with those we've been able we were able to start playing, uh, I can't remember, I think it was in May. Um, obviously, they were like outdoor stuff, or it was, it was all safe. But um, but that's what we realized the most, and the thing that has been reinforced, because there was a moment, I think two months ago, when Jen and I both were like, I think it might be time to, to come off the road and just settle down. Like, maybe we'll go move to Nashville or Montana for just a couple months and kind of see what's happening. And then we played a show that night. And we realized afterwards, like how absolutely critical it was for us to be able to facilitate a place for the church to like connect again, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, yeah. because so many people had not been together. And that has been reinforced over and over and over and over again in our hearts that like, man, like if anything, people need this more now than ever. Like we played an outdoor uh, Sunday service yesterday and people stood, stayed for like two hours after church because they hadn't seen people they hadn't seen for months. And you can just tell like how critical people need people, you know, mm-hmm. in person people need people. And so um, that has been just reinforced so much in our hearts that like it's so important now doing this even more. It almost feels more important than before, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, I, so, yeah, yeah. I, I think so. I think that makes sense. Yeah. I think yeah. I'm in this similar place where I've been sort of connecting with churches and helping them uh, just provide some, because people love music, people love the arts, and the arts seem to bring people together. And so, oh, yeah. uh, you know, putting on these really small, intimate events for their churches in a way that they can come into, like, maybe in a big park space or in their parking lot or driving theater. And it's been amazing how people are just so hungry for connection for for obvious reasons i mean for obvious reasons and just how we have this amazing opportunity as artists to kind of facilitate that encourage Mm -hmm. that and 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 create like a like a a protective space like it's okay to 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 celebrate but it's also okay to grieve like it's because we're grieving wow we've we've missed out so much in community life and and we don't know how long this thing might be happening and we might have lost people along the way or friends along the way or and so it's just creating and cultivating the space of both joy and grief with our community i think it's such an amazing opportunity for us to do that i think it's really really cool totally I'm, I'm yeah, that's kind of like the the theme of our our recent record release, and um, we keep our our concert series with a strong narrative, and that's exactly like our goal as well. That um, the record's called Even in the Dark, and so in our concert we talk about seasons of darkness and um, losing things and seeing things in your rearview mirror that you're you might not see again. And uh, we hope that when people come to our concerts, that we can give them that safe space to feel those things, especially when maybe they're going to a church that doesn't maybe acknowledge feelings mm-hmm, as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we really hope to, to share that as well, to share the vulnerability. Like there are things that we've all lost and we've missed out on in the last couple months. And um, like, this is a safe space, as you said, to, to feel it and to have fellowship in that darkness. 
I'm so yeah. I'm so glad you said that because I was hoping to talk about that because I when I noticed the, the the album title even in the dark I'm like this there's definitely a sense of lament in even in that title alone right like yeah. even <laughs> in the brightest moment even like even in the dark so I'm curious yeah. moving, digging deeper into your album the album themes of the album uh, what were some can you tell us some stories about how these songs were were written created maybe the story behind a few of the songs um, can you give us a sort of a deeper glimpse in to uh, the songs of Even in the Dark. Mm. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, totally. I can start. I mean, so like the reality is, is the past over the past season of the last year has not been super easy for Jenna and I in the sense of, you know, we really went full time and there was a lot of blessings with going full time. But there's a lot of struggles that happen as well. You know, I, we, we say our life is like one constant goodbye. Um, moving from one place to the next and trying to struggle and wrestle with having community and holding on to friends that, you know, that you love, but don't see all the time. And also with our ministry and, and our band, like having really big hopes and dreams and, and having amazing opportunities to, uh, you know, meet people and work with people and, you know, all those like wrestles and struggles and, you know, what you want for your ministry and what's the reality of your ministry and all the ups and downs of all that. And in the midst of all that as well, my mom was diagnosed with cancer and um, she wasn't very old. I think she was like 67 and, you know, I'm pretty young. I'm 26. And just like the kind of like the narrative of my life and, and what I hoped and thought our life would be and what I thought my life would be. And it kind of was like in a very different direction than I thought we were going to be heading. And um, she ended up passing away in January, uh, the second day of January. So like 2020 really was a big shift for us and like dealing with a massive amount of grief and saying goodbye to a parent and kind of realizing that like, I really didn't want that to happen. I really, you know, was believing that my mom was gonna, was gonna make it through and she didn't. And dealing with all of that and also in the same way like trying to make a record um with a bunch of songs that i felt and jenna felt were written in this season that felt kind of dark and difficult and a lot of wrestle and struggle um and then you know literally a couple months later our entire world kind of fell apart as everyone's you know um and our our tour came to a screeching halt and seeing like, oh my goodness, I don't even know if we're going to make it through this. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. And I remember Jen and I having a very intense discussion about just like, you know, this record and these songs, you know, feel like they have to get out, especially now in this season, what everyone's going through. And also in the same way, like, but <laughs> our ministries came to a screeching halt. Like we're not even really making anywhere near as much money as we were before. Like, is this a bad decision? Um, and all those things. Like, it was so much crazy ups and downs and everything that came with that. And I feel like all of the songs kind of really encapsulate that super well. Um, and, but I think there's, like, specific songs that I think really encompass really the last year. And then really seeing now how incredibly relevant all these songs were from our past season that have even new life and new new meaning in the season that we're all going through now. So I think Jenna can kind of talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, as, as we wrote some of the songs, um, we had some really good advice where you, you write with someone's someone in mind, basically mm -hmm. like this song is for so-and-so. And, 
And sometimes that person is us. And so I just remember writing some songs with the, in, the intention to comfort myself right now. Um, and I have prepared you for this for me is that track where um, I was just praying really fervently over and over again to God, just like, what are you doing here? And we had this really cool opportunity. And I was like, we're not good enough for this. What if this is the end of our ministry? What if this is the beginning of our ministry? Like, there's so many questions that I have, like, why are you bringing us here? I don't feel prepared. And then I just like heard, I have prepared you for this. And it's just like, oh, okay. Okay. So God's given me enough grace for today and that's enough and i i remember writing a song that song from that idea and it was just completely for me in that moment and but at the same time like as we're singing it live and as people have heard it i'm i'm feeling that this song is also for us in the future and it's for our friends and our family um and same thing with it'll be all right um seth usually tells this story so i'm I'll, I'll try to say it as well as he does, but basically we wrote, it'll be all right on June, on January 20th. I'm sorry. Oh my goodness. January 2nd, where we woke up in Florida and we started writing and Seth had this idea that we were going to, we were going to write a song from Seth's mom's perspective and it was going to be, it'll be all right. And we just wrote for an hour or two and the song was done and we're like, that's it. It just came out of us. It's, that's it. That's the song. And then a couple minutes later, Seth got a text from his sister that said, prepare. I think mom's going to meet Jesus tonight. And she ended up going to heaven that day. And it was kind of like the intention that we had was to sing that song for her Hmm. and to share it with her and say, like, we wrote this from your perspective because you're such a beautiful, positive, encouraging person. Like, she was the one, even though she had stage four cancer, she was the one who was worried about her friend at church or she was worried about how it was going at the Christmas party. She couldn't attend because she was in the hospital, like so positive all the time. And she never actually ended up hearing that song. So we thought it was for her, but it actually ended up being for us mm-hmm. and for our family when we sang it at her funerals and for every person that hears it that's gone through uh, a season of grief or losing someone or something i think it it speaks to people like that um people who have gone through that season of darkness and so i don't know it's it's cool to see how the purpose of a song evolves from what we intended at the beginning when we're writing it and then um to how it impacts people so it's been it's been cool to see that. We chatted, yeah. Drew. We chatted a few weeks back about grief specifically. Yeah, um, that was with uh, John Corbin, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting because my initial thought on that, uh, and I shared some 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 stuff on that particular episode. Uh, it's interesting, you know, your the song title is "It'll Be All Right." Um, because yeah. what I was thinking about uh, was a conversation that Drew and I had either at the beginning of this year or last year. I can't remember which. Okay. And it was when it was probably in January, February, when, you know, the thing it, it happens 
all year long, but it always happens, it seems, in the beginning of the year where either a family member passes away or somebody famous that you <laughs> aspire to uh, passes away, some yeah. famous musician or an artist of some sort. And, and as soon as it happens, you start seeing the hashtags on social media. You start seeing people mm. saying things like 2020 sucks or something like that. <laughs> and the comment, yeah. and the comment I made to Drew was, well, you know, people are passing away all the time, you know, and it's sad and people grieve, but there's other things that do happen that are good. Right. And so why measure uh, the year on the first couple of months of the year? Why don't you give it to the end of the year right. before you start making that statement? Although I will say, you know, for 2020, it might be okay to start saying it now, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, having, but having said that, it goes back to what we were talking about before. There has been some good. Right. Right. You know, yeah. and, and yeah. so, you know, we, you know, I've, I've, you know, had issues where a family member passed away uh, this year as well. And, you know, you can look at all the negative, but you can also look at all the positive and, and what yeah. even that, cir- that circumstance or that event, if you want to call it that, has, you know, how that has shifted things or caused people to pivot or, right. you know, whatever else. And so it's not all negative. And that's what I really like about, you know, the story behind it'll be all right. It's it's a very um, sad reason, mm-hmm. but a positive message, right? Yeah, and that's what yeah. I like, right? And I don't. I feel like it can be very. Um, I don't know a Christian thing to do, like things that Christian often do to not acknowledge that something's hard, or to just be like, you know what, it's okay, it's fine. <laughs> uh-huh. And I think that it's like, well, Jesus is alive, no. and it's like, I I think that that can happen a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's really important to acknowledge that something's really, really hard, but also know that um, I heard a Stephen Furtick sermon that I hear echoing in my head all the time. That's like, I know how this story ends. Like, and that's really the, the point that we have that like, they're like, I know how the story ends because I know where I, I go after all this. I know when all this pain is done, like I'm going to see God face to face and he's going to say, well done. And that's like, if everything else stinks, that's something I can hold on to. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I totally agree. I think that people are going through really, really hard times, but sometimes just having like the idea of it'll be all right. It might not be all right, but it will be all right is enough of a comfort. And I think like there's something I'm I'm always a guy who's like, okay, so even in the dark, what's good? (laughs) What's what's and so it's never all bad. Um, yeah, and it's right. never all good either. So even for me, like this year has been the worst year of my life. I can mm. uh, the bad outweighs the good, yeah. but there's still good. Right. And, and, so and, it, it, and yeah. it can't get any worse. Oh, or maybe it could. It definitely can. Right. And it will. <laughs> it probably will. Yeah. But, yeah. but my point is, yeah. that's fine. It's, it's dark. It's crappy. It's, it's painful. It's hard. Awesome. Great. Yeah. So good. I mean, not really, but you know, but there's always something good about it still. Right. Yeah. There's like yeah. the, the whole right. yin and yang thing, right? Even in the bad, there's still a little bit of light. It's oh never without yeah. light. There's always something there to hold on to. And you might look yeah. back five years from now, look back on this 
2020, which was the worst year of your life, and think to yourself, wow, if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't be where I am today. Right. Totally. Because how many times have that ha- has that happened to people? Like, to me, That's to right. you, yeah, yeah, yeah. where we look at, at it and say, you know, that was a that was a really tough year. I, that, I don't want to go through that again. However... If I didn't go through that, I wouldn't be where I am today. That's right. And so I'm hoping, you know, that there's that hope that in two, three, four, five, ten years from now, we all reflect back on 2020 and say, you know, this is what happened. And it really, you know, was not good. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) However... This is what I learned from it. This is what I got from it. And this is how I changed or this is, you know, how it helped me in the future. Completely. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Thanks. Um, so we talk a lot about perspective and just a little quick little story about me. So basically Jen and I met in high school and we both wanted to pursue ministry full time. So I ended up become going to college to become a pastor. And, um, in my sophomore year between, uh, first and second semester, uh, it was a really hard year. Anyway, I blew out my knee playing football and, uh, but anyway, I got a call like on December 23rd um, from the Dean of Pastoral Studies. And he basically told me that I'd actually failed out of college. Um, I didn't really know it was happening, um, but my entire like entire life got flipped upside down. And I ended up moving back home with my parents. And it was a really, really, really super, super challenging, honestly, one of the darkest seasons of my life. Um, and basically you can fast forward to a year ago and Jen and I got to play at the high school where we met for the entire student body um, and for like faculty and friends and family. And I got to tell my story that like, I, I failed out of college. I failed out of ministry. Um, and I'm a failure, but the truth is, is that like, I am not a failure because this is what God truly wanted for my life. And I like had that full circle perspective for the first time. And it was like my, and I was thankful for that season before, but at that moment it was like, Oh my goodness. Like God was literally leading me to this point and it hurt so much. It was so hard. It was so difficult. There were so many low moments, but God used those for his ultimate good on my life and for his plan and purpose for my life. And that's how I see this year too. Even though I just, it's like when you're in the middle of a storm and the waves are huge, you can't understand, right? It's like the waves are bashing into your boat and uh, it's dark, and you, you just don't know where you're going. But after it all settles, normally you have perspective on where you've gone and where you're going. And I think that is, we're just in the middle of it. We're in the midst of the storm, and there will be a moment, I pray, sooner rather than later when people can look back and see, like, oh, my goodness, like, God was doing amazing things in this season, even though it was so hard. And I don't think anyone's going to come out unscathed, but... I think God is being good in it. Um, and I, I think that is something that we all have to hold on to right now. That's so, so, yeah. so good. I was, uh, yeah. I was watching, <laughs> this is going to sound so dumb after seeing something so good. I'm so sorry, Seth. Um, <laughs> no, do it. <laughs> I was watching uh, the Batman trilogy, the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy, uh, I think oh, last week. Yeah. And I just love the way how he portrayed Batman and the characters. Like, it was such a good, good mm. piece of art. Well, it's a true story. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's a true story. It's like, <laughs> and, um, so, so I get to the last movie and um, I'm, I, I'm watching Bane. I'm watching Bane with a whole different, like, like, 
set of eyes, and and he gets that that line where he talks about um like you see darkness as your ally. I was you don't even know the dark. I was born in darkness or whatever. Yeah, like, you know, that's a weird voice. That was a very bad impression. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I mean, it was, I think it was pretty good actually. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, but I mean, even in that, like he's he's trying to say that he is all dark. I'm like, great, cool, mm-hmm. good for you, Mr. Bane. But but still, something was born in darkness. Life came out of that. Like even in a way, even as he's expressing how his life has been so hard, living like this, dude. Like life came out of that. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Like even in the darkest moment, life came. So, for me, oh. there, there's something so yeah. cool about like like I have a, a wonderful appreciation for for the seasons of the soul, for the for the dark night of the soul, for um, lament, for yeah. those moments of darkness because. I, man, the light just seems so much brighter. So it, it, we're sharing stories. Can I can I share a story? Yes, <laughs> sure. yes, please. This, this was probably about uh, maybe a little over ten years ago. Hmm. I was not working in media. I was not working at the radio station. Um, I was working in in a business role. Uh, I was making really really good money. Like I'd never made that much money in my life. Yeah, it was yeah. like, wow, this is this is really nice. There this is go. comfortable, making good money. I didn't like the hours necessarily. I was working long hours sure. and and stuff. You know, sometimes time away from the family or at least long commutes and whatnot. And um, I got laid off, and and it wasn't because of anything I did. I was doing a great job, but but there just wasn't a need for me anymore. I had kind of accomplished what I been hired to do. And I got laid off and and I was laid off for a few months and it 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 destroyed me in a sense because I'm a very yeah. I, I, I wake up in the morning and I have to achieve something. Right. You know, I have to get mm-hmm. something done. And so every morning yeah. I'd wake up and I I would try to wake up normal time, maybe not as early as I would if I was going to work, but certainly get up at a reasonable time so I'm not in bed till eleven or, you know, lunchtime or whatever. Yeah. And I and I would try to achieve so I'd get on the computer and check job sites and everything else. And it was frustrating because nothing was materializing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was I was even, you know, stepping out from the business world that I'd worked in and looking at other areas and stuff, right. and nothing was materializing. And it was probably, you know, one of the roughest patches of my life because I was married, I had young children, I have to provide for them. We had just put our kids into a private Christian school, so we had tuition to pay. Uh, and it was a decision that we had made that we, you know, felt this was important because they were very young. And uh, and so it was a very stressful time financially. Yeah. Um, it was, um, you know, uh, you know, you go through and, and anybody that's gone through that can can relate. But can I tell you? If I didn't go through that time, I wouldn't be where I am today. Right. Because in that time, one of the things I did was, hey, you know, I'm going to set up a home recording studio because it'd be fun to, you know, record my daughter singing. She's got an amazing voice. Can I say I've never recorded her singing as of yet? <laughs> but but I started but I started doing some voiceover work, and in doing the voiceover work, I started sending out some samples of a demo tape to some radio stations. And from there, mm-hmm. I got a call from actually I had in in one week and a half period, I had offers from three different Christian radio stations. Hmm to come to work for them. One of them, uh, several months later, materialized into doing some part-time work. And can I say, I'm I'm in radio now because of not direct, not, you know, 100% from that season, but certainly a great portion of that season, I probably would never have locked, looked at getting back into radio right, if right. it weren't for that season where I was laid off, frustrated, you know, 
discouraged and whatever other word you want to use mm-hmm. for that whole yeah. season in my life. So, yeah, like, yeah. again, we look at 20, going back to 2020, and there's a lot of bad things that have happened. There's a lot of yeah. frustrated people, a lot mm-hmm. of people that are, um, you know, whether it be sickness, whether it be loss of job or whatever else, and they look at it saying, this has got to be the worst. And maybe it is, maybe it's not, maybe, maybe it's, it's going to get worse. Yep. But maybe you'll look back in three or four years from now or even less and look at it and say, wow, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally, totally yeah. agree with that. I I keep coming back to it like, and visualizing as you guys are, are telling your stories too, like how in Ecclesiastes it says there's a season for everything. Mm-hmm. And yep. I just keep thinking about how like God uses nature to tell stories yes. and how like a seed has to grow in order to grow. It has to get put in the ground. Like it has to be surrounded by darkness and it's like, it's dead. And so I just, I just think about the seasons of darkness is when you're being plunged into the soil to grow. And it's not, it's not your job to decide the time when you're going to start seeing growth or seeing positive things, but like you need to go through the darkness in order to sprout and just how like, I totally see that in, in your story of like, you needed to get let go in order to find out what your actual true calling was. Mm-hmm. Like that's, it's so cool to see in hindsight. I just, the, the struggle is how do you see it right now? How do you believe it right now? Yeah, you know? That's the thing. Because, yeah. because we've got blinders on our eyes, whether we know it or not, whether we want yeah. to or not, we kind of, even if we try to open our eyes and be, you know, whatever, we still have blinders on yeah. our eyes. We don't see the future. Yeah. We don't know what's going to happen a year from now. Right. Yeah. So yep. right. that's it. Right. Wow. <laughs> good times. Uh, good times. I don't good know time. how we can top that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Seth and Jenna, such a privilege to chat with you. Um, And I've said this often on our podcast, we never know where the conversation is going to take us. And uh, this has been truly inspiring and uplifting, despite the fact that there's been negative that we've talked about. Um, I think there's a lot of hope. And I think that's, Mm -hmm. if anything, you know, people listening to this show would listen, you know, hear some of the stories, hear what you guys have been through, hear what Drew and I have been through a little bit and and know that there is hope. Uh, despite everything that's gone on in the last six to eight months. Yeah, absolutely. And so we had an interview last week and someone said that our album was really hopeful. And I like, it almost took me aback. I was like, I didn't, I didn't think it was. And then, (laughs) and then, and then I, so we, we, we made a full length lyric video and it's really beautiful. And it, matches the narrative and we got to watch it when it premiered in our church our church has a huge like 30 foot screen and an awesome pa so jen and i just sat in the church alone and cranked it up and watched it and it was like oh my goodness this is so hopeful like this is i needed and it it was the first time and i know it's always hard being an artist but it's like the first time that jen and i were able to just sit and i don't like the word consume but that's the only good word i have right now is to consume the art that we made almost from new perspective, new fresh eyes. Cause mm-hmm. we had enough time from it. And almost as like, if we weren't the artists, we were just there to experience what we had, what was made, you know? And it was like, Oh my goodness, there is so much hope here. Even though I didn't, when I wrote all these songs, I didn't feel like I had any. And it's really cool. Cause now we're, we're touring this record and 
man, it's like every time we play, it's like, oh my goodness, I wrote these words and God gave us these words and I need to hear them over and over and over and over again. And I really hope that the people that listen to this new record hear that, that there is really hope in the darkness and God is good and he is true to his promises. He is working out the details of our life for his greater good for our life. And Oh man, I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful for this record and what God has brought us through to have this record be in existence. So thank you so much for championing us and letting us be on this podcast truly has been really a massive blessing. So thank you guys so much. And we hope that God continues yeah. to bless your ministry and everything that you guys are doing with this. So I, I, I'm blessed just having you guys here. Yeah, seriously, awesome. it's been we feel, awesome. We feel the same way about you guys. Yeah. Like, thank you for, uh, for sharing and, and doing what you guys do, and being a source of light for so many people. You know, it's so mm-hmm. good that you guys can just come out, do your thing, and yeah, sh- you know, spread some light around. So, thank you for all that you do, yeah. and thank you for your art. Thank you, guys. God bless you so much. I love it when we have a chance to talk about sort of the the, the lament side, the grief side of, of life, especially in this season. Um, not one that's filled with like hopelessness, but actually one filled with hope. Yeah. And so I love when we can have a chat about that. And I love that their album's based around those themes, but finding the light and the darkness and the hope and the grief. I think it was an amazing conversation to talk about not just the music side, but like creating the art, but also what the art is all about. And it was so much fun. I think for me, I always find it interesting when you have, especially a husband and wife team that are are basically doing this full time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're living out of their vehicle yeah. and it, it means that they understand truly what ministry is yeah. from the, <laughs> for the, from the uh, first standpoint, but also uh, to hear what it's been like for them over the last, you know, six to eight months where there is no music business right. in a sense. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they they still have to survive. And and so they've they've changed the way they do things a little bit. They've you know we use that word pivot. They've pivoted, right. uh, and they've been forced to whether they liked it or not. And as a lot of people have over the last six to eight months, um, but also looking at all the bad that's happened, but but looking at the good that's happened yeah. and potentially the other good that's going to happen that's right. in the future. So it was kind of full circle, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where we started talking about one thing and then we go off talking about a bunch of other stuff and then we lead back right where we started and even got to chat about their album a little bit and mm-hmm. and how it all related yeah <laughs> Cause, cause exactly. right, for, quite frankly we we didn't plan it but that's how everything came down that's as far right. as the conversation went so yeah really enjoyed that conversation with seth and jenna from him and her worship so make sure you check out him and her worship.com find links to their music events and social media now it's time for artist advice, and today we have Brandon Oaks. I would say don't measure your success by what you see in the crowd, um, by the the amount of hands raised, the amount of people singing. Measure your success by um, your relationship with the Lord and your communication with Him, and and your your conversation with Him as you're singing to the man Jesus. Short and sweet from worship leader Brandon Oaks, how to measure success. Basically, your relationship with God. I like that. Yeah. You can also measure your success by your merch sales. <laughs> Financially, yes. <laughs> Financial success. I don't think that's what that's he was referring what, no, to. No, no, no. no? Oh, okay. Because okay. I mean, like, you know, you can. Yeah. Both can work. Well, I mean, if you're going to look at <laughs> Hands it from... Hands raised and money in the... <laughs> 
from a financial standpoint, yeah, you would measure overall, not just merch sales, <laughs> but right. album yeah. sales and everything That's else, right. and and how you're doing on the charts, all that stuff. Yeah, thanks for that deep, deep. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying. Only Drew. <laughs> hey, listen, thanks for checking out Between the Grooves this week. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast for new episodes every Monday. And don't forget, leave us a rating and a review. That just helps us reach more people. And please, please, if you are on social media, do the whole tweet, tweet, and book of faces thing. Hit us up at Between Grooves. We are there on Twitter and Facebook. We would love to connect with you, chat with you, and we can have a little conversation there. Come on now. We'll see you next week. Peace out.